Welcome to Understand Murdoch, a podcast from The Post and Courier, South Carolina's largest newspaper. Our award-winning reporters have spent more than a year digging into the Murdoch saga to bring you the latest news and in-depth analysis as we covered the story of drugs, deceit, and death in South Carolina's rural low country. And now we're here to provide quick daily updates on Alec Murdoch's highly anticipated double murder trial in Colleton County. Hi, welcome to Understand Murdoch. My name is Nathan Stevens. I'm one of your hosts. I'm alongside here with Jocelyn. Jocelyn, it's the end of the fourth week of this trial and prosecutors have officially rested their case. Yes, it felt like so much happened today. Let's break it down. I know we began with the cross-examination of Ryan Kelly. Can you remind us who he is? Sure. So he's a special agent with the State Law Enforcement Division who was the lead investigator in the September 4th, 2021 shooting where Ellick was shot in the head by his distant cousin, Curtis Eddie Smith, in an assisted suicide scheme. Right. This was Alec trying to orchestrate his own murder so he could leave behind a $10 million life insurance payout for his remaining son, Buster. Exactly. And jurors heard Agent Kelly testify yesterday that Alec ultimately confessed to the plot, as well as lying to investigators and his drug use and stealing money to help fund it. So how did his cross-examination go? It was fairly heated. Um, Dick Harputlian questioned Agent Kelly, which was interesting because Harputlian had already been hired as Ellick's defense attorney by the time investigators interviewed him on September 13th of 2021. And Harputlian was actually on the phone for that interview. So it was a bit of a meta moment to see him question Agent Kelly about it inside the courtroom. But he seemed mostly concerned about whether Ellick was of a sound and competent state of mind when Agent Kelly initially interviewed him at the hospital on September 4th, which was the day of the shooting. Ellick lied about his involvement in the shooting in those early statements to law enforcement. Is that correct? Yeah. So his initial story was that a random man had come up and shot him on the side of the road, and he didn't confess to the assisted suicide scheme until that September 13th interview. And Harputlian seemed to be trying to argue that Alec was still under the influence of drugs when Agent Kelly had first interviewed him. But the agent said he had no idea what drugs Alec would have been taking as his medical information, you know, is private and withheld from law enforcement. He also testified that on September 4th, Alec was the victim of a crime as far as he knew. And Alec seemed to appropriately answer Agent Kelly's questions and his statements lined up with the ones he'd given to the dispatcher and a sheriff's deputy at the scene of the shooting. All right. So who did jurors hear from next? Lead prosecutor Creighton Waters brought up the state's final witness. Peter Rudofsky is another special agent with SLED who assisted with investigating Maggie and Paul's deaths. And what did he testify about? So Agent Rudofsky received data from General Motors last Saturday. Wait, he got data in the middle of the trial? Yeah, Basically, SLED agents had subpoenaed GM in March of 2022, and GM, remember, makes the Chevy Suburban Alec was driving the day of the slayings. So SLED agents had asked GM for data relating to Alec's car, like GPS information, speed information, things like that. And back in March, GM comes back and says, 
sorry, we don't have anything. But then someone at the company contacted prosecutors last Friday. Apparently, they had heard other testimony and did another search of their records. And this time they found a treasure trove of data from Ellick's car on the day Maggie and Paul were shot. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Agent Rudofsky, you know, gets a hold of this data last Saturday and has worked in the days since to put together this very detailed timeline, which he went over for jurors today. Okay. And did jurors learn anything important? Yeah, I think a couple of things. So the data included more than 4,000 latitude and longitude points extracted from the car's GPS system. The information also showed how fast Alec was driving. So we see Alec left Moselle just after noon and drove to his law firm in Hampton. He was there until around 6.30 that night before driving back to Moselle. His suburban took another trip that night, right? Yeah, so the car left Moselle from its main entrance, which is separate from the entrance by the dog kennels, around 9.08 to drive to visit his mother in Almeida. And about 30 seconds later, the car passes the spot on Moselle Road where Maggie's phone is found discarded the next day. And the car apparently begins to speed up after this. It was going 43 miles an hour, but accelerates to 52 miles per hour less than a minute later. And about eight minutes later, the Suburban was going as fast as 71 miles per hour. Was he going over the speed limit? Yeah, Agent Rudofsky said the highest speed limit on roads Alec would have traveled that night was 55 miles per hour. Okay, so what time did Alec arrive at the Alameda house? So he pulls into the driveway at 9.22 p.m., but those GPS points, which are fairly precise, show Alec actually kept driving back behind the main house and kind of pulls into this grassy area near a wood line. And prosecutors have suggested Alec hid evidence like guns at the Almeida house, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so when does he leave Almeida? He leaves about 20 minutes later at 9.43 p.m. His car pulls into Moselle at 10 on the dot, and again, he's going into the main gates instead of going into the entrance by the kennels. The car was moving even faster on this trip, reaching a max speed of 80 miles per hour. Okay, so he's hitting 25 miles over the speed limit, and it also would have been dark outside by this time. Yeah, and, you know, that's something Agent Rudofsky pointed out. He's driven down those same roads before while responding to an emergency, and he said even then he wouldn't have been able to safely drive the speeds Alec apparently was going. He said the roads also wouldn't have been paved on June 7th. They got paved sometime after. And Agent Rudofsky also said that there are a lot of deer in the area. So did he look at anything else besides this new car data from GM? Yes. So Agent Rudofsky also received all the phone data from the various extractions done on Alec, Maggie, and Paul's phones. And he used this information to create a massive timeline detailing the family's communication from the day of the killings. When you say all of the phone data, what do you mean? Well, we've heard several witnesses testify previously to all the information they got off their phones. So this includes call logs, text messages, pictures, videos, location information, app usage, orientation changes, and step counts. That is a lot of information. 
Yeah, and you know, it's the first time prosecutors have provided jurors with a visual timeline that condenses all this information. And I think it was a really smart move to do this with their last witness. Okay, so this isn't new information, but did Agent Rudolski make any new revelations about it? Yeah, I think Waters, the prosecutor, used this timeline to basically re-emphasize a couple of things for jurors. So, for instance, he stressed that there's just a three-minute gap between that video filmed on Paul's phone down at the kennels, which we know places Ellick at the crime scene, and when Paul and Maggie's phones lock for the last time. Because investigators estimate this is when they're shot, right? Yeah, exactly. And Alex's phone is inactive during this entire time. Agent Rudofsky also made a spreadsheet tracking Alex's pace per minute based on steps recorded with his iPhone. So when his phone wakes up at 9.02 p.m. after having been inactive for the last hour, he takes about 70 steps per minute until the phone stops moving again at 9.06. Is that supposed to be fast? Well, it's hard to say for certain, but when you compare it to his other paces per minute recorded earlier in the day, it seems he's moving a lot quicker during this four-minute period. And remind us what prosecutors say Alec was doing in that time. So they say he was cleaning himself up after having killed Maggie and Paul before then driving to Almeida. Waters also established that Maggie's phone was held up in a portrait orientation for the final time at 9.06, and her screen turned off 40 seconds later, which is right around the time Alex Suburban turned onto Moselle Road and drove past that spot where Maggie's phone was apparently tossed into the woods. So they're seeming to suggest Alec threw the phone out of his car window as he drove to Almeida? I think so, yeah. Okay, I saw Agent Rudolski also testified about some text messages and search history. Can you tell us about that data? Yeah, prosecutors were certainly keeping these close to their vest. It felt as much like a big reveal as we may have gotten throughout this entire trial. So first jurors saw a message Paul had sent his dad on May 6th, which is, you know, just a month before he was killed. And it says, I am still in Edisto Beach. Because when you get here, we have to talk. Mom found several bags of pills in your computer bag. That's big. Wow. Yeah. And we also saw a spreadsheet detailing Maggie's internet search history from that same day. She was looking up pill descriptions, probably to try and find out what her husband might have been taking. And the data indicates that she or someone else later deleted these searches. What a way for prosecutors to end their case. It was definitely some of the most compelling evidence jurors have seen so far, I think. Okay, can you give us a preview for what we can expect when court resumes on Monday? Sure, but actually court won't start back until Tuesday. We have a three-day weekend for President's Day. A welcome and deserved break for the reporters. (laughs) And the jurors. Um, So we'll be back at 9.30 Tuesday morning, and defense attorneys will call up and question their witnesses. Jocelyn, as always, thank you so much. Thanks, Nathan. That's all we have for now. For more in-depth coverage of this trial, as well as the latest news on the Murdoch story at large, stay tuned to postandcourier.com slash Murdoch. You can find us on Twitter at Post and Courier. 